Amen. Good morning, City Light. My name's Doug. I get to be one of our pastors. And happy Valentine's Day early. Okay, husbands, boyfriends, that was for you. Okay, it's coming this Wednesday. And let me just give you permission right now. You can take out your phone and pretend like you're taking notes to my sermon. Amen. That was good, right? But what I want you to do is download an app. It's called Open Table. You download that and you get a reservation at her favorite place for this Wednesday night, okay? I would love to hear a story of all God is doing in your marriage because you did not listen to this sermon, okay? You can do that. We are totally cool with that. Um, As Valentine's Day approaches, uh, I'm so thankful for the examples of love that are here in our church. Uh, Many of you are here last Sunday when Reuben and Carol, they renewed their vows with us on their 55th wedding anniversary. It was awesome. And Reuben sang a love song to Carol in his like Johnny Cash voice, and there wasn't a dry eye in the room. It was like this God moment sort of thing. So there's something special about love, especially when it's love that lasts to the end. And as Valentine's Day approaches, of course, we're going to hear that love word over and over again. In fact, this week, lovers will spend about $13.3 billion to try to say, I love you to one another. About 180 million Valentine's cards will be exchanged to try to say, I love you. Not surprisingly, about 85% of those cards will be bought by women. On the flip side, about 73% of fresh flowers that will be purchased this week will be bought by men who are trying to say, I love you to their special someone. The word love is kind of a funny thing in our culture because we all love so many things. Like the word love, it covers so many different emotions and true um, thoughts and other words in our English language, right? Like you may love burritos from Qdoba, but you also love your spouse. It's the same word, but I really hope you mean two different things when you use that word. You may love your favorite sports team, but you also love your children. Again, same word, but different meanings. It's crazy because like in the same breath, we can say, oh, I just love little heart-shaped candies and, oh, I just love Jesus. Or in the same day, you can like post to your feed, I love when the girls show up and surprise me for Galentine's. And you also post, I love when Jesus shows up and just reminds me of how awesome he is. I love and I love. We say that so often, but at some point we have to ask the question, how do we love Jesus? Like, do we love him like a burrito? Do we love him like our spouse? Do we love Jesus like our favorite animal at the zoo who makes us smile or our favorite romantic comedy that makes us laugh and cry at the same time? It's so easy and so good to say, I love you, Jesus. But we have to ask the question, what does that mean? Or better yet, since many of us in this room claim to be lovers of Jesus, we can ask him, Jesus, how can I love you in a way that you want to be loved? No better source than to hear it straight from his mouth, from his heart. Jesus, I I think I love you. How do I show my love for you? 
Or maybe you're here and you're like, I'm just not a Christian yet. I don't claim to be a lover of Jesus. But you're wondering, if I were to love Jesus, what would change about me? Right? Maybe a friend or a family member invited you. Maybe you just found us on Facebook. And you're saying, hey, if I were to do this love Jesus thing, what does that mean? Would anything have to change in my life? Would anything have to change in my heart? It's a great question. And to get a great answer to that question, we want to go straight to Jesus and hear his response. So if you've got your Bibles, go to where Eric just was, John 14. And we're going to start in verse 15. At this time, Jesus is hanging out with 11 of his best friends, his closest followers, his disciples. And Jesus knows that in the next 24 hours, he's going to suffer and die. And he's trying to break that news to these disciples. Then in verse 15, Jesus starts talking about their love for him. He says this in verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now skip down to verse 21. It says something very similar. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Go down to verse 23. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So three different times, Jesus connects our love for him to our keeping his word, keeping his commandments. In your notes, this is how I said it. For Jesus, love means obedience. In our relationship with Jesus, loving him means obeying him, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, at first glance, this can be a little tricky. Jesus is clear that loving him means obeying him, but like which one comes first, love or obedience, the chicken or the egg, right? Which one comes first and leads to the other? Is there an order here, and does the order matter? Like, should we love Jesus in the hopes that we will obey him, or should we obey Jesus in the hopes that we will love him? City Light, I want to tell you this morning that the order does matter. The order matters big time. So before we even get into the chicken versus the egg or our love versus our obedience, I want to step out of this text just a little bit to the first link in this love chain, the first step in this love line. Before we ever love or we ever obey, there was a first lover, an initiator, a pursuer, a wooer. John says it this way in a different letter that he wrote. 1 John 4 verse 19 says, we love because what? He first loved us. So God loves us first. Before we ever love him, before we ever obey him, God loved us. In fact, the Bible says that God loved us and he demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were still stiff-arming God, he was spreading his arms wide open to embrace us and to die for us. God loves us first, and then we respond back to him with love. We receive that love. We say yes to that love. He loves us first, and then we love him with the responding love back to him. Jesus says that that responding love back to him 
requires obedience. That responding love back to him includes obedience. Now, Jesus isn't saying that we should obey him so that we can love him. He isn't saying that we should obey him so that God will love us. He's saying that when we love him, we will obey him. If we love him, we will obey him. So he loves us first. We receive that love, respond back to him with a love, and that love back to him looks like keeping his commands, keeping his word. Now, why does that order matter? Why is that a big deal? Well, imagine with me a young child, maybe four or five years old, and he's in an orphanage. This young child in the orphanage has watched other children meet adults that come through the orphanage, and he sees them go home with those adults. They've been accepted, adopted, loved. But this child, this orphan, is still in the orphanage. For that child, for that orphan, when another set of prospective parents come to visit him, he will be on his best behavior. He will put on his best clothes, smile his biggest smile. He will try to have his best manners, only talk if talked to. He will clean his room, help out with chores around the orphanage. He won't pout, he won't throw fits. That orphan will obey in the hopes that he might be loved. But for that orphan, obedience will be exhausting, it will be defeating, and it will always be risky because he'll never know just how much he has to obey in order to be loved how many times does he have to say please or thank you how nice must his manners be he doesn't know and he will exhaust himself trying to figure out trying to get loved it'll be defeating because no matter how much he does obey there's still a real possibility that those prospective parents will choose someone else to adopt and he remains unloved it's risky because he has to once again open up his heart and dare to dream that someone will see him someone will love him someone will adopt him only to then watch them turn and walk out with a different child so he's trying his best he's obeying his best he is giving his all and yet he remains unloved city light i think sometimes we relate to god like we're orphans we're trying our best to make him happy we're obeying our best in the hopes that he might adopt us that he might love us. This time I'll follow through. This time I'll really obey. I'll be on my best behavior. I'll use my manners. And if I slip up, I'm going to feel really bad about it. We obey in the hopes that Jesus might love us. But good news, City Light, that's not how it is with Jesus. No, he loved us first, and then we respond back to him with love. In John 14, verse 18, Jesus says it this way, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We don't have to love Jesus like orphans who hope to earn his love and get him to adopt us. Instead, we get to love Jesus like children who have already been adopted and already been loved by him. 
We don't obey Jesus in the hopes that he will love us. We obey Jesus because he has loved us. We don't obey Jesus in the hopes that he might adopt us. We obey Jesus because he has adopted us. If you're here and you are in Christ Jesus, hear this. You're no longer an orphan. You are a child of the King, a son or daughter of God Most High. You have His love. It is given freely to you. You are safe, secure in His love. It's yours. You're His forever. You are loved. Yet at the same time, Jesus says, as He loves us and we respond back to Him with love, Our responding love to him includes obedience. God loves us first. We love him back, and that love looks like keeping his commands, keeping his words. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So our love back to Jesus isn't merely thoughts or feelings. Our love back to Jesus isn't just some words that are said or words that are sung. Our love back to Jesus means obedience. And any parent in the room, you get this, right? So just imagine with me, to uh, to be totally honest, this would really never happen. But imagine with me that my oldest son and I, We've had a great day together. It's been a lot of fun, hanging out, connecting. He feels safe. He feels secure in our relationship. And at some point in time in the day, he goes, man, dad, I love you. I love you so much. And I say, son, I love you too. Hey, here's the deal, son. I got to go outside and do some work in the yard. I need you to go get changed and then come help me out in the yard. And let's just imagine that he steps towards me when I ask him to do that. And he says, dad, You can't make me do what you say, and I'm not going to do it. Now, he just assured me of his love, yet he refuses to obey me. What's going on there? Or let's say he expresses his love for me, and then I ask him to come help me out in the yard. And whenever I ask him to do that, he turns towards me, and with sadness in his face and a softness in his voice, he says, Dad, I just can't right now. And I'm sure you understand. So he had just expressed his love for me, but now he feels like he can't obey me. What's going on there? Or maybe take this for an example. Let's say we have a great day. He expresses love to me. I express love back to him. And then I say, hey, I got to go work out in the yard, get changed, and then come on outside. I go outside. I'm doing some yard work. 30 minutes later, he's not there. I'm like, what happened? Where is he? So I go back inside. And I find him in the living room. He's got safari pulled up. And I'm like, son, I asked you to come outside and help me in the yard. What are you doing? He's like, dad, I know you asked me to help in the yard. I just love that you asked me for my help. I know you told me to come out there. That is why I'm researching yard work on the internet. That, I mean, dad, I looked up all the different times that like grass or the earth or yard work is even included in the Bible. I did some word studies. Dad, look, I pulled up all these different photos of lawnmowers to see which ones might work the best, right? Now he's assured me of his love, but has he obeyed me yet? No, right? Okay, one step further. Let's say we have a great day. He expresses love. I express love. I'm like, hey, I got to go work in the yard. Come out and help me after you get changed. 30 minutes later, he's still not out there. So I come back in and I find him. And he says, dad, so good that you're back. I love you, dad. 
I just love how you take care of our family. I love how you provide for us. I love how you eat dinner with us. You're a great dad, dad. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Dad, I'll love you forever. He's expressing his love for me, but is he obeying me? No, right? In that time, as his dad, I would have to say to him, son, I'm so thankful for your love. If you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will come outside and help me in the yard. Oh, city light, how often I've been that son who refuses to obey my dad but profusely expresses my love to Jesus. How often I have hidden my disobedience to God by saying the love word or singing some love songs to Jesus. How often I have avoided obeying Jesus by pretending to love Jesus. When he is the one who says, if you love me, you will obey me. Have you ever been there? Have you ever done that? Oh, Jesus, I love you so much, but I'm not going to break up with that person. Oh, Jesus, I love how you love me, but I'm going to stay bitter at this person because what they did was just so wrong. Oh, Jesus, you are awesome, but don't ever ask me to do that. Jesus, I will love you forever and ever, but tonight I'm still going to pull up that website. I'm going to go to that place. I'm going to make that decision. Jesus, I love you, but I just won't obey you. Even though the love of Jesus is freely given to us, and even though we so often speak our love back to him, acting our love back to him is terribly difficult. Can I be honest? If loving Jesus means obeying Jesus, then loving Jesus is hard. Loving Jesus means more than church attendance. Loving Jesus means more than just singing some songs and raising my hands. Loving Jesus means obeying Jesus. And anyone who has followed Jesus for longer than five minutes knows just how difficult that is. It's the mom who she knows that she's supposed to speak with kindness and gentleness in her voice. But then that toddler wrote on the wall that she just cleaned five minutes ago. And then she burst out and she gets angry and she yells at her again. And she says, oh, I love Jesus. I want to obey Jesus. But this is hard. It's that student who gets a text that says, hey, I got the quiz early. Just text me back and I'll give you a photo so that you can get it in advance. That student says, oh, I want to obey Jesus, but this is hard. If loving Jesus means obeying Jesus, then we're going to need a little bit of help. We're going to need some help because, listen, I have a hard time obeying the most basic of Jesus' commands, like loving my neighbor or praying for those who hate me or giving my money to the poor. 
much less obeying all of his other commands. There's over at least 300 documented commands straight from the mouth of Jesus just in the four Gospels. I can hardly count the commands, much less keep the commands. So I feel stuck. How do I do this? No matter how hard I try and try, I can never actually keep your commands, Jesus. Listen, if loving you means obeying you, then I'm going to need some help. And that's when we step into verses 16 and 17. Let's see what Jesus says there. Right after he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, Jesus goes on and he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So listen, Jesus loves us first, and then we love him back with a responding love. And Jesus says that responding love means obedience. But when we're all honest, we got to say, I kind of stink at this whole obedience thing, right? It's a lot easier to say I love you than to live I love you. We fail at the obedience part. And so we're going, Jesus, if loving you means obeying you, then you got to help me. you got to throw me a bone here. And Jesus goes, I've got help for you. I've got a helper. He's the Holy Spirit. So in your notes, I said it this way. Love means obedience, but we've got help. We've got some help. In John 14, every time that Jesus talks about obeying him, where our love looks like obedience, he also tells us the help that he will give us in that process. So in verses 16 and 17, he introduces us to the helper, the Holy Spirit. And that word helper literally means companion, someone who comes alongside us, someone who walks with us through life. Have you ever had someone who walked with you through a tough time in your life and they kept reminding you of the truth? Like when you just wanted to give up, they reminded you, no, you can keep going. You can get through this. Or when you wanted to get off track, they kept pointing you back to the rails. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He's a helper. He's a companion who is the helper with truth. And he keeps pointing us back to the truth that we see in the Bible, the truth that we see in Jesus. So when we start to believe that we don't really matter or our obedience isn't that big of a deal, the Holy Spirit reminds us of the truth that God has good works planned for each of us since before this world ever began so that we can walk in them we matter. Or when we begin to believe that maybe sin can satisfy us, the Holy Spirit is there with us, and he reminds us of the truth that sin is a lie. Sin is a trap. It's a trick that will draw us in and then empty us out. Sin can't satisfy us. The Holy Spirit is a helper. He is a companion who keeps taking us back to the truth as we seek to obey Jesus. That's the first way we get help in this loving Jesus by obeying him. The second way that Jesus brings this up is down in verse 21. Look at 21 with me. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So there's the love means obedience part, right? We've seen that. Let's keep going. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him. And here comes the help and manifest myself to him. 
So Jesus is saying that as we love him by obeying him, he will love us by manifesting himself to us. What in the world does that mean? Manifest. Well, think of it like this. The Holy Spirit is a tour guide. And his job as a tour guide is to show Jesus to you, to reveal Jesus to you, to manifest Jesus to you in whatever season of life you are in. So let's say your marriage hits a rough patch. She's hurt because of the way you acted towards her, or he's hurt because of the words that you said to him. And that that hurt, that anger, it's kind of lingered there for a little while. The Holy Spirit is there as a tour guide to help point the husband and the wife to Jesus, to help them see what would Jesus do in this situation. So we might say to the husband, hey, bud, listen, in this situation, Jesus would give up his rights. Jesus would sacrifice himself. Jesus would lay down himself so that he can have the heart of his bride. Or the Holy Spirit might say to the wife, beloved, listen, in this situation, Jesus would submit to what God is doing even when he couldn't understand it. Even when things seemed like they were out of control, Jesus would trust that God is bigger and stronger. The Holy Spirit is a tour guide in that moment, in that season of life, to help us see Jesus, to manifest Jesus to us. And then you get pregnant and you're having your first child and you're like, oh no, what's this parenting thing? The Holy Spirit is a tour guide that points to Jesus. Here's how Jesus would handle this. You get a new job. Oh, how do I handle the new relationships? What do I do? The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. You're nearing retirement. What do I do with this last chapter of my life? The Holy Spirit is a tour guide walking with us through these things to keep pointing us to Jesus. So as we seek to obey Jesus, the Holy Spirit keeps pointing us to Jesus so that we can do as he did. So the first thing the Holy Spirit does to help us obey Jesus is he points us to the truth. Second thing he does is he points us to Jesus. There's a third way that Jesus connects our obedience and our need for help. It's in verse 23. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. We've got that, right? Love means obedience. Let's keep going and look for some help. And my father will love him. And here's the help. We will come to him and make our home with him. So as we love Jesus by obeying Jesus, we experience, our experience is that Jesus lives in us. He takes up residence in us through the Holy Spirit, okay? So Jesus himself comes and lives in us through the Holy Spirit. He builds his house in my heart. Now I know that sounds weird, like there's a little Keebler elf running around in there, like building his little tree house in my heart. But, but get this, here's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit doesn't point us to truth by sending us emails or sending us text messages from a distance. The Holy Spirit is not a tour guide that you have to go find at a museum so that he can point to Jesus. Instead, the Holy Spirit reminds us of truth and he points us uh, to Jesus from within. He is inside of us. He is with us. He has set up his residence in our hearts. He's settled in. He is home in us. He's always with you. So when temptation comes knocking on the door, he's already there. 
You are not home alone to try to resist the temptation on your own or turn the deadbolt or just hope that temptation turns and walks away. The Holy Spirit is already there. You don't have to send a text to the Holy Spirit and hope that he gets back to you really fast. Did he read it? Do we have read notifications on? Oh no, is he gonna get back to me? No, he's already there. You don't have to go look him up on a website and hope that he can point you to Jesus. He's already there. So when temptation comes knocking, he empowers you to say no, to turn the deadbolt and then he holds you as you struggle through that temptation. The Holy Spirit gives you truth and he points to Jesus from within you. He's living inside of you. So as we seek to obey Jesus, he gives us his Holy Spirit to point us to truth and point us to Jesus inside of us. Now, City Light, I wish that loving Jesus sometimes just meant liking Jesus. I sometimes wish that loving Jesus was as easy as subscribing to his feed and just getting cool little things on my phone. But Jesus won't settle for that. Jesus says that loving him means obeying him, keeping his word, keeping his commands. But we don't have to obey him like orphans who are hoping to earn his love. We get to obey him in the power of the Holy Spirit who has been given to us to point us to truth and to point us to Jesus. Hear this, City Life. If you've missed the whole rest of the message, just hear this part. We can obey Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in our own power. We can't do it with our own efforts. But we can. Hear that word, can. You can obey Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's how I want to close. Could you just bow your head and close your eyes? And I want to invite you to listen to Jesus and not just listen to me in this moment. Would you do business with him? Would you connect with him? And there, as you pray, could you just be honest? Where is it or what is it where you would just say, I, I won't obey you, Jesus. I, I can't obey you, Jesus. Maybe it's sharing the gospel with a coworker. Maybe it's giving your money away. Maybe it's forgiving someone. Maybe it's something in your marriage or a dating relationship. Maybe it's lying or cheating. Whatever it is, can you be honest with Jesus this morning and just say, I feel like I won't obey you. I feel like I can't obey you. As much as you want to say, I love you, Jesus, your life is saying, I won't obey you, Jesus. you just be honest and confess that to him just tell that to Jesus and then I want to invite you as you're being honest about that and you're confessing that to Jesus would you ask him for help would you say Jesus you've promised that you're going to help me with this would you ask the Holy Spirit to tell you the truth in this situation Maybe you need him to bring Bible verses to mind. Maybe you need him to connect you to someone in your city group who can teach you what is right here. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you truth in this situation. 
And would you ask the Holy Spirit to point to Jesus for you? That you could see, man, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would Jesus handle this? Would you ask him for help? And then let me just remind you as you pray that the Holy Spirit, if you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. He's not far off. You don't have to send him a text right now. He's in you, speaking to you, pointing to Jesus, reminding you of truth. Receive that and let that lead to obedience to Jesus. Oh, Father God, would you, would you help us connect more and more to your Holy Spirit in us? Would you make us aware of his presence in us? Would you use the Holy Spirit to point us to truth? Would you use the Holy Spirit to point us to Jesus? Because we want to obey you, Jesus. We want to show our love to you by doing what you said. And we know that leads to life. So, Father God, would you give us your spirit and make us aware of him? Even now, we pray in Jesus' good name. Amen. Church, we're going to take communion. Communion is a reminder, especially this morning, that when Jesus says that loving him means obeying him, he's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done. Later on in John chapter 14, verse 31, Jesus says that he loved his father by obeying his father. Jesus has already done this. He knows the wrestle. He knows the struggle. And Jesus remained perfectly obedient all the way to the end. He showed the father his love by obeying the father. So when you come forward to receive communion, I want you to come forward. And this may sound weird. I want you to come bringing your disobedience And when someone tears off the bread and puts it in your hand, you dip it in the juice, I want you to receive the obedience of Jesus. You're trading in all of your disobedience, all your failures, all your slip-ups, and you're receiving the perfect obedience of Jesus. He was fully obedient because we are disobedient. And receive that on you today. Receive that in you, knowing that he's done everything for you. Can I pray for us? Father God, would you pour out your love on us as we receive communion? And would it engender, would it lead us to respond with love to you that looks like obedience? Thank you for Jesus who fully obeyed. So now we get to trade in our disobedience for all of his obedience. Oh, praise be to you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.